0: Welcome to episode 121 of Literary Disco, Will Takes Us to Xanth. On today's episode, we discuss the first novel in Piers Anthony's best-selling fantasy series, A Spell for Chameleon. I am actor and filmmaker, Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are essayist and radio personality, Julia Pistel, and novelist and critic, Todd Goldberg. Hello, guys. Hey. And the reason we are reading this book and returning to the land of Xanth is because after... And a... we,
1: we need a reason. Yeah, so we need a reason. So <laughs> this is good.
0: After a four-year absence, our sci-fi and fantasy correspondent, Will Friedle, is back. Welcome, Will. Thank you. Guys, it's been four Woo! years. Yeah, I had to think about that, but I realized Welcome that we were Will. recording at my old house. Yeah, God, so worst early. correspondent ever. <laughs> So, Zanth, uh, so are you guys uh, happy to go back? Yeah. So, well, let, let's talk about... Wow. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we got we to go back to... to uh, well, let's just introduce Will, first of all. Okay, um, sure. Will, in, in case any yeah. of our listeners don't know, is an incredible actor and a writer and does a lot of cartoon work. And I know Will, of course, because we did Boy Meets World and then Girl Meets World together as actors. And he is also a voracious fantasy and sci-fi reader yeah and so we brought him on four years ago to introduce us to uh, a book that he really we,
1: liked we are nothing but timely with all things we, we hire someone as our correspondent and we wait till obama's out of office uh yeah and so uh, we finally got got around to
0: asking will to come back and he chose an old classic I that I had read. I read a bunch of the Xanth novels when I was a teenager, and you had two, right? Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Not even a teenager. I was I was a kid kid. Right. Yeah. And
0: then, uh, Todd, you seem to remember, once you got into this book, that you had read them as well.
1: Yeah. I, I'd read it when I was, like, 12. So, in, like, mm-hmm. 1980 or something, I'd read it. Yeah. It came out in 77. So, I think I read mine in 83,
2: and I have my original copy here from
0: 1983. So, uh, Piers yeah, Anthony yeah. created the land of Xanth, which is... When you look at the map in the front, which every fantasy novel should have a good map, is obviously based on Florida.
2: It is, which is where he lives.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you guys
2: not noticed this?
1: Did you not notice know- It is. I did, of- Okay. yeah. And, um, it's not a great map. No.
0: And the idea behind Xanth is that it is a land where there's basically, there, there's normal laws of physics, but then there's sort of laws of magic that are mysterious. And every plant, every life form, every rock even, lakes, all have some sort of magic component so it's this incredibly uh, detailed fantasy world A uh, Spell for Chameleon was the first book uh, introduced us to the character of Bink and he is uh, oh I should mention every human has one magical ability or talent and every some, human
2: from Xanth every
0: human from Xanth right yeah. there's there's Mundania which is the rest basically of the world. Our world we think or uh, mm-hmm. the rest of the world where there is yeah, no that's magic our world. right right uh, so the the story of uh, the story of the spell for chameleon is that Bink does not have has not discovered his magical ability yet, and he's turning twenty five, which in classic Logan's Run fashion means that if he has not <laughs> discovered <laughs> if he has not discovered his magical ability by the age of twenty five, he will be exiled from Xanth. And he has a fiance. with Peter Ustinov and a bunch of cats. He has a fiance that he's in love with named Sabrina, and so now he's got to go on this journey. It, like uh, every great fantasy novel, the 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 young male character journeys off to find his magical abilities. He's, he's seeking the great Humphrey, the great magician Humphrey. Uh, and that's how it starts, and, uh, let's, uh, let's ask Will first. <laughs> Will, why did yeah. you, why did you ask, ask us to Will. revisit Xan? Why did you decide, pit, settle on this
2: one? Um, th- well, there's a couple reasons. One, because I wanted to go back to kind of close to the beginning for me when it came to fantasy, and another, for, uh-huh. for lack of a better term, was, so last time I came on to, uh, your wonderful show here which you he just pointed out was four years ago i read <laughs> s- read some of the comments of what people had said when i was on there Ryder
1: didn't even have a kid yet. no i know What's it was ridiculous time,
2: i i don't think girl meets world was on the air no, yet for was, god's sake no. no we were still we were still going they're never going to bring that show back um
0: <laughs> they produced and canceled the whole tv show, <laughs> the whole TV show. <laughs> three seasons <laughs> since the emmy nominations
2: <laughs> have gone on
0: and yeah. we still couldn't get it
2: together exactly. For Will to exactly right. exactly so one of the reasons I some of the comments I read where people were kind of like, because if you remember the last time I had you come on here, I had you read one of actually still my favorite fantasy author, which is um, uh, Brandon Sanderson. And we started the Mistborn series. And some of the articles that I read or some of the comments that I read were like, why did you start with Mistborn? You should have started there mentioning Salman Rushdie and other kind of people that had like more intense fantasy novels. Hmm. And it was one of those things where I remember thinking to myself, because if somebody comes up to me and says, I've never seen a sci-fi movie. I don't start with 2001. It's a great movie, but it's also can be very, very slow. I start with Star Wars. So that's kind of what I did when it came to that. So I, almost like a civil disobedience, I wanted to go way back and, <laughs> and way almost kind of. Th- this to me is pretty close to quintessentially the type of book that you read it at 12 and it means one thing you read it as an adult and you kind of go holy shit yeah 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 Yeah, good and uh, so I wanted to do that because I love it Piers Anthony to me is is like um, David Edding so I've also talked about where it's so important in my childhood I go back and I read them almost every year um, and because I go back and read it every year, it changes every year. And that's what I think kind of a great fantasy novel does. Almost like great TV where you watch it as a kid. It means one thing you watch it as an adult it means something totally different. So that is why long story short, I chose spell for chameleon.
0: And I think like what you said there, cause I was, I was 11 when I first, and I think this was my first fantasy book actually. When it's I a lot I, of people's first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's interesting because it's, um, it has like a lightheartedness to it, a sort of playfulness, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And 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 then it's really not playful anymore. No, well, it's it's It's, okay. So uh, what I remember, what I remember about the Xanth novels is, I think I I think I read most of them, uh, but they become more playful as they go on. They do. And I remember realizing that all he was doing was punning. That's the thing. It's a world based on puns. And I couldn't stand that. Oh. By the time I was like thirteen, I was like, this is so dumb. And I remember there's one there's one where there's like a tree that is a. That produces a drink called Boot Rear. Yes. And they drink it, and you feel somebody kick you magically in your rear. Yeah. And I was like, Are you kidding me? (laughs) And I remember 13 being like, Root Beer, Boot Rear? This book sucks. Uh, And then moving on to, you know, Lord of the Rings or whatever, you know, more sort of adult fantasy I could. It's very strange. It's also, you have
2: to keep in mind, there's certain things that make you look at it a little differently again as a kid or as an adult. Like you pointed out, the map is Florida. Yeah. Um, but the gap chasm in the beginning is based on the demilitarized zone in Korea. Jesus. So it's, there's like, you look and you when oh. you look into yeah. Piers Anthony right. and you talk about <laughs> Piers Anthony. It's like, he's taken his, this trilogy, this Xanth, what he calls his Xanth trilogy of 30 some odd books to a number of different publishers. And then he'll like turn around and sue the publisher. I mean, he's a really weird, bizarre, interesting kind of guy. Is he still
0: alive? Or is he, he is. He's 83, I think still lives in Florida. And he's
1: not writing Xanth novels. Anymore.
2: Oh yeah, no, I think there's still a couple coming out. Oh my
0: god,
1: <laughs> well, he's not—he's not from England. He lives in—he was born in.
2: So he's got a very interesting story. He was like—he was born in England um, to like Quaker parents or something. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk out of turn, but it's some type of religious parents who then moved him to the States. He got married very early. He joined the military. He ended up se- uh, uh, staying in Florida. Again, very he had a very, very interesting life. I think he has a dual citizenship between England and, and the U.S. Um, but then you kind of read these acid trips that he puts on, uh, on paper, and you kind of go, what? <laughs> yeah. um, they're very bizarre. And not to just jump into it, but especially when you get in some of the later books really misogynistic i think which came this, out of nowhere uh, the, later the later books this oh no the those misogynistic later books books are. Uh, oh no read the second one in the in even the second one in this
3: how much how much more misogynistic
2: uh, oh my god yeah about, wait
3: about okay rape <laughs> i haven't said anything yet so my first thing i want to know is do you guys during this recording, do you want the ugly, intelligent version of me or the dumb, hot version? Let me <laughs> you
2: know. Well, the joy is we Six. watch you all in one person. Because <laughs> that gives us
0: variety. <laughs> that
2: gives us variety. Yes. Yeah. Woo. Until we... Until we're right, the yeah.
0: ordinary middle, All right, so can you... Uh, Julia, explain for our listeners who have not read the book what, what that's a reference to. Uh...
3: It's basically a reference to the whole fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is like almost to the point where I've really enjoyed it. It is the most outrageously sexist book I have ever read. I was like, who is this for? And then I immediately answered it. I was like, it's for twelve year old boys. Like yeah. that is Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, uh, let and me go on a little further. And soon.
1: pedophiles. Right? I'd like to throw that in. <laughs> yeah, pedophiles. The alluring
2: 14-year-old. Huge,
1: huge in the pedo market. <laughs> Dude, it really <laughs> is. It's
2: hard. Again, reading it as an adult, you go, holy shit.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So what I'm actually referring to is there's a a character. Well, there's, you know, our... Our hero is going on his journey, which whatever, I'm all for it. And then he, like, encounters a lot of women, like, a lot of women for a fantasy novel, which I guess is a positive. Uh, but uh, some are hot and stupid, like, really, like, so hot, like, that's the point of this person. They're but so hot.
1: hot like a 14-year-old girl is oh, hot. Oh,
3: God. Yeah. Creepy yeah. hot.
1: And that's Um, not – and and listeners, that's not a quote from my point of view. That's a quote from the book's point of view, to to be clear. Uh,
3: And then some are – and then he eventually – he's in this mundane world, um, and he encounters a woman who's, like, really ugly, but she's super smart. And then it turns out, of course, that she's the same person, and her curse is – Hilariously, that she transforms from one to the other based on the lunar cycle, a.k.a. periods.
1: Menses. (laughs) Uh, The spell for the menses.
3: But it's not just her. It's not just her. Another thing I was thinking, um, well, let me put it this way. Okay, so I have a three-month-old baby, and I am breastfeeding her. So, like, I have two breastfeeding encyclopedias. My life is all about boobs. I breastfeed, like, eight hours a day. This book had more boobs in it than I the know. rest of my life. I know. Like, There were so many boobs in this book. Centaur boobs, mermaid oh. boobs. Yeah, the, the
1: bestiality yeah. not something I was yeah.
3: <laughs> So, yeah, there's a lot of women in this book, and there's a lot of boobs. And I, I was just, like, overcome by it.
0: It's so funny, because I actually said to Alex, I was – I said, I I was finishing the book today and I was like, you know, this is so awful. I'm like, and I was like, and I I feel almost bad for all the times that I've criticized because one of the main things I've always said about uh, Lord of the Rings is like, why aren't there any women in this book? You know, it's like the most homosocial series of novels ever. And now I'm like, God, I wish there were less women in this book. This is so bad when these fantasies... <laughs> yeah. When well, you try to appeal to the 11-year-old boy, spe- like specifically 11-year-old boy mentality, and and also have women in the fantasy character, it's just, it's a mess. In well,
2: book. how about I mean, also the fact that a good portion of the female characters in this book, something with their magical talent has them turning into whatever you want them to. Yes, so it's right. not even just yeah. like, oh, there's women, there's a lot of women in this book and they're always naked. It's like he when when Bink goes to the, um, when, when he meets the future queen of Xanth and he goes and she's a, an illusionist and she's going, well, what do you want? And she's transform, you know, transforming into an 11-year-old girl. Do you want this? And then to a 20-year-old girl, do you want... It just, it's so unbelievably creepy when you then read it as an adult where you're going, oh, like, oh my God, this guy, all these, every woman he's writing is just... How do you want me to be for you? Right. Forget yeah. how I am for me. How can I change myself to make you happier? Right. And it's
0: horrifying.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Um,
1: and every woman also, at some point, Bink, you know, they'll be on their journey, they'll be doing whatever thing it is they have to do, and Bink will have some innocuous question like, where should we go next? And the female character, whichever one, will like reach to their bosom and say, do you want to go here? And be like, no, no, <laughs> they're I, all, I They're don't. all throwing themselves at him, just, every single one yeah, of them. Just to be clear, no, I don't I don't need to have sex with you now, but later yeah. Yeah. I might. Yeah, if
2: he, again, oh, the se- the, the, not to jump too far ahead, but in, in the second book, the entire story is now Bink has to go on a quest to find the uh, source of magic in Xanth. And one of the reasons the king sends him is because he can't stand now being around his pregnant wife. Jesus. And then he goes, he he literally in the book finds a village of women that all of their men have been taken and turned into stone by uh, like a Gorgon. And eventually they go and, and they fight. Bink leads them all to fight and cut down this big tangle tree. And there's literally a line that Piers Anthony writes where he says... And Bink looks up and sees all the women fighting and realized all they needed was a man to lead them. (laughs)
1: Oh, my God. And you
2: sit there reading that going, you've got to be shitting me.
1: Jesus Christ. It's
2: unbelievable.
1: So the weird thing for me um, is so I was reading the book and I was about – it's about 100 pages in where I was like, oh, my God. I've read this book before. I had no memory of reading it before. But I landed on this scene. And this is – so listeners, this is a real scene. (laughs) It's a scene where Bink has to stand in as a faux uh, as as a faux accusee of rape in a fake trial where there's three men and three women, and one <laughs> of the people is the real rapist, and one of the people is the actual rapee. And like for the last thirty years of my life, I've been telling people I read this crazy book. Where there's this fake rape trial, but it was shortly after a guy grabbed a centaur's boobs, and everyone's like, you don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. That, that's not a real book. <laughs> that's a
0: dream you had. And
1: then there it, was, there it was, and I was. And I was transported back to the summer vacation, fishing at Loon Lake, Washington, reading that book, and man... It's not that I loved it. It's that I wanted to live in it. Like, I thought this was the greatest, funniest fantasy world I had ever been in my entire life. Because it was like, oh, this is like being in D&D and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy humor at the same time. And there's just, like, you know, cool, ironic shit happening. I loved it. And then, you know, now as a 47-year-old man, I was like, this explains a lot why, like, I didn't (laughs) have success with women on an emotional level. Until I was like thirty, yeah. and had been married for four years at that point. Oh God,
2: you've never <laughs> sat, you've never stood in at a random rape trial.
1: No, no, I never get invited to those anymore. And, and, oddly enough, and,
0: I mean, not only is that whole scenario so bizarre, like, and I I, I, I think, oh God, okay. So the idea is that. A real accuser of rape, a woman who is saying that this man raped me, will be protected by having two non-raped women pretend to also be raped when the real the guy who's been accused of rape can also be protected by being anonymous by having two men pretend that they are the ones who are accused of rape so that they can all publicly agree on the same story so a judge could just say I don't think there was any rape here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, it's yeah. the dumbest thing. I don't understand. Like, and the idea that these men need to be the man needs to be protected, and the most disturbing part is is that Bink actually looks at the the woman across from him and says she oh, looks God. like a creature who was constructed, like literally says constructed for rape, and then dash yeah. dash loving. Oh, and it God. turns it into like how beautiful she is and her beauty. I mean, I couldn't believe that that line was in there. And, and I, yeah, I mean... The, Welcome oh, to the, Zan. I know. I, the, I, at that point, I was literally <laughs> going to throw the book across the... And I'm glad I didn't, because there is something to... The most charitable reading I can give this book is <laughs> that it's about uh, Bink's uh, education, right? And that it's about him coming to respect women. I think it's an incredibly misogynistic sex is horrible that is... but you you have to think about this there <laughs> is the, the opening like because the the moment where the alarm bell started to go off for me and the first time you sort of get this thing is when there's this sow your wild oats joke in the first oh chapter oh my or God. Whatever. the right. dumbest yeah. metaphor yeah. i've ever right. heard in my entire life <laughs> right <laughs> and what, what that means in the land of xanth and it's a conversation between bink and his father and his dad where his he his dad he is <laughs> bink has been caught by his mom trying to sow his own wild oats which is um in the land of xanth a practice where you catch wild oats and plant them in the ground and sow them and what they give birth to is a nymph like a magical well, you, sex
2: slave you basically. water you water them with your own urine
0: is oh you water them with your own right. urine. so it's basically <laughs> this like uh xanthian fantasy version of weird science yeah. Where you get, like, a hot girl who's <laughs> brainless. Right. And so yeah. if you think about Make the book is By pa Right. And so that was of my first thought was, like, uh-oh. This book is, like, tapping into this, like, little boy prepubescent but th- fantasy thing. There's,
1: there's a John Hughes thing in this, too. Like, I, it's so weird that you said weird science. Because as I was reading this, I was like, this is sort of like watching all the John Hughes movies I really loved as a teenager. And seeing them as an adult. And, like, watching 16 Candles and going... This is not right, what they're doing to Long Duck Dog. Right. This is not right. Right. Yeah.
0: right.
2: Okay, I'd also like to uh, very quickly um, defend, six, not even 16 Kettles, defend um, uh, Weird Science more than Xanth, right. because they specifically <laughs> show them making sure that Kelly LeBrock's character has a brain. Right. They're putting in, they're making right. sure she. they're putting in Einstein quotes and pick. Right. So even the kids were like, no, we want to be
0: able to talk to her. Right. He didn't give a shit about that in the book. Right. Well, <laughs> but, but that's where he begins. And th- that's the charitable yeah. reading is that this is about him learning to respect women. It's just even at its most respectful by the end, uh, the last line of the book is that he... Wouldn't she would never be free? Yeah, that's he's he he uh, yeah. has a a vision or an omen of a chameleon getting carried away by a hawk, and he's trying to interpret it throughout the book. And at the end of the book, because he gets the girl, she's the chameleon, and he's the hawk who caught her, and she would never get free. Yeah. Is the last line of the book, and I just was like, oh God! So the mature lesson is that you have a woman who can basically shapeshift through ugly and beautiful and smart and dumb to give you variety and you own her and you got her yep. and that's better than that wild nymph that or the wild oats nymph that you were gonna make i mean ugh, it's just <laughs> it's i'm so, so glad I picked
3: it's this ridiculous one. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea how now, you're happy are insane
1: are, are there adults who read these books now, and they're like, this is the zenith of uh, sci-fi. It no, started no, a wave I of blah, don't think blah, 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 so. okay. No. I mean, again, okay.
2: you, this is not on the level of, of Robert Jordan or Brandon Sanderson or any of the This is, again, this is right. not even, you know, when you think about a 12-year-old fantasy. If you go back, and next time I come here, because I, I specifically...
1: Pick twenty pick, twenty thirty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I come back in nine years,
2: um, I want, i seriously want to do. We'll do um, uh, 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 the the first book of the Belgariad series, which is the one that really takes you into a fantasy world that's just an insane. Mm-hmm. But the spell—a spell for chameleon—is such. It's such a unicorn in the fantasy world, mm-hmm. in that it's so horrifying when you read it as an adult i mean it really is it's (laughs) horrifying when you read it as an adult that it's
0: how is it still i mean is it still popular though like so obviously adults are not reading these books but are there still is there still a population of 12 year old boys presumably who are
2: i would imagine because they're still publishing them i mean again i also would imagine there's still adults that have kept up with the series i mean if you go into it with The kind of I know what I'm reading when I get into it, and it's almost there was a a morbid fascination which made me want to jump right into the second and third books because it was so. Right. It was. I was sitting there going, "There's no way that this is what I'm reading. I can't. This
1: can't be what I read as a kid. (laughs) It can't be. It's so easy to read. It is. It is.
3: Like when we read Flowers in the Attic. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Here's here's what I want to know.
3: Yeah.
1: The one thing that I thought was interesting is. like for a book written in 1977 the ironic take that it has on fantasy is actually yeah. pretty funny you know like the the stuff they're talking about with the centaurs or you know the yeah the the various magical creatures like piers anthony is obviously taking a really skewed look at these sacred fae creatures of other people's books right. and skewering them, and that, like in the first twenty-five pages, I was like, "Oh, this is really sort of funny and jaunty," yeah. and then there is the rapes. Um, <laughs> but that had to have been in 1977, because you know I, I think of it in relationship to um, *Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy*. Like it exactly. seems, yeah. it yeah. seems like yeah. that was that same sort of era of. Monty Pythonish take on a, a popular trend. Um, yeah,
2: and that's what Douglas, you're right, that's what Douglas Adams did with sci-fi. It mm-hmm. was that same kind of... It's clever. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. clever and it's funny, but you can be clever and funny without being... Rapey? Rapey. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, it's, I, have to, uh,
3: yeah, I have to say on the other end, so obviously uh, this, if you read this and you're reading, like, fantasy now kids fantasy like it's so harry potter too it's like oh there's this ordinary world and everybody right. has their special x man power and blah 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 and it's just so frustrating because it's just like this would be so good without like all the rape all the rape
0: a... <laughs> i mean some and rape sure some so
3: <laughs> yeah uh, but it's yeah. so tainted by the sexism that it's like when people accuse Harry Potter, or other fantasy things of like, oh, well, it was done before by Piers Anthony. I'm like, fuck that. Give me the updated version. Give me the turn of the century version, because it's just so like I, I can't imagine giving this to a kid now and being like, <laughs> yeah, read this. Go for it.
2: But you know what's really interesting is, so I was talking to somebody, I think we, I think you and I were at the convention mm-hmm. in, in New Orleans. And I was talking to a fan who, who was probably about, I don't know, 25, 26 years old, who was talking about watching Boy Meets World. And how he said, watching it as a kid, he watched one show. And then he went back, and when he watched it as an adult, he's like, you guys got away with some stuff mm-hmm. that... We never spotted as a kid. Right. And I think it's this is exactly the same type of thing where, again, would I give this to my to a 12-year-old? Probably not. But I'm guessing a 12-year-old isn't going to walk away going, that was really misogynistic. Right. Where, well, no, but they'll just it, think it's normal. That's, that's, that's the problem. thing. That's right. what's horrifying <laughs> about it. That's There's almost something to that, though, to then turning around and reading as an adult and going, oh, my God god i mean i was shocked i was shocked when i read this book again yeah it was, it was but, wonderful but here's was the so thing I mean,
1: is is it so much different like the misogyny and all that stuff from what it was like when we were 12 or 13 years old playing D D? like you know it'd be seven 12 year old boys and we'd be like and then a, a hot maiden comes in and you know seven 12-year-old boys in 1983 are like, oh, we're going to do things we don't know what they are. You know, she wants all of us. Totally. It's it's the dumb way young boys think. My hope, or thought in 1982, my hope is that young men are exposed to more things now, to more media, and they have a a, a different expectation of what women mean. They just go right to porn. They don't need it. They have access
0: to whatever they want. Google
1: rape trials. See what
0: comes up. (laughs) You don't need this sort of... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus you don't need this sort of like uh, yeah I mean I feel like I feel like a book like this and and I've had this conversation actually about Stephen King too and we might have talked about this on the show before how much sex there is in Stephen King and for me to realize as an adult like going back and reading like it again and being like, Oh my God, there's like this gangbang
2: scene. Is. Wait, is that true? Yes. Yes. like the end, yes. they yes. all yes. like yes. Sort of turns with yes. the girl. Yes. yes. And it's
0: like her, basically her like power to bring them together is her vagina. And it's like, aren't they like 11? Yeah. Yeah. The 13 ish or whatever, but it's bad. I mean, it's definitely like, Whoa. But I also remember loving Stephen King very early as and 12 and 13. And it's like part of the transgressive nature of his horror was also like, as a little boy, like, I would read sex scenes, you know, and sometimes yeah. it would just be like a husband and wife and not necessarily like a gangbang, but Stephen King always has sex in his books and it's part of I mean I, I don't know if it's as necessary these days, no. but when I when I was a kid that was part of the gateway drug to reading. Sure. It was like, "Oh, I could read about sex." And I felt that in this book, this sort of like naughty, like it is safe, it's a book that's okay for kids, but then you're like, "But there's also boobies." Weak, and like, yeah. yeah. you know, it's okay. Okay. and I I
3: don't know. Have you read Anne Rice? Anne Rice is like also. But let me let me okay. So we've talked about this before years ago. But like there are girl versions of this. So like uh, adult Judy Bloom books have tons of sex in them. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a million versions of this. But there's a difference between like sex scenes or like a scene I thought was funny was like he's grabbing onto the centaur Mm as she's flying away and accidentally grabs her boobs. Like fine, that's hilarious. But, like, the entire plot being a hideous... genius or a dumb hottie. I mean, that is so bad. Like, that, I, the rape trial is such a weird anomaly. I'm just gonna put it aside.
1: (laughs) The fact that The show rape trial? You're just gonna
3: put it aside? But, like, the fact that the the entire female character is like that, that's the problem. It's not sex in books. It's not, like, women in books. It's not even boobies. It's, like, her, right. uh, the women that he, in this book talk about how hot they are or talk about how ugly they are like completely ad nauseum it's like it's like Bink turned his head and she's like oh I know I'm so hot just relax yeah. it's <laughs> only so, the only, such a the only female idea.
1: the only female that is a rounded yeah. character in this is in fact a female centaur that's, yeah. the, that's the only one that's yeah. like yeah I'm a oh, but yeah, even a, she is described purely in feelings. physical terms
2: yeah <laughs> Um, I also, I hate to say this, but, uh, when you read the second book, you find out that, uh, so one of the, one of the, when problems you read is the that? second book, yes, <laughs> go ahead. And you remember. heard me <laughs> jump, jump ahead. So the centaurs, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why his uncle was banished because he found out that he had a magical power. Uh, so some of the centaurs find out their magical power and her magical power was the magic kept her pretty. Uh, so when the magic starts to die in Xanth, she starts to get ugly and freaks out. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. That's like, it's not. It's you look, you read it down, and you're going, this can't be for real. All they needed was a man to lead them, and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. Uh... Yeah.
3: Yeah. So um, I mean, I I want to think more of like the boys in our life. Like they can handle sex scenes and a couple of characters who female characters who have their shit together. Yeah, I, but, want, right. I want it for the boys. Like I, For I the think, girls, whatever. They I, know there's this dumb shit out there, but come on.
1: <laughs> there's there's got to be... I, I mean, this book was written... It came out in 1977, so it was probably written in 1975, right? So, yeah. presumably... Presumably, culture has shown young men at least in the last six months that women are more than mere objects. But, you know, and this is the thing I, where I think, well, man, Buffy did a lot of work for young boys uh, in understanding women as being complex characters. If they just watched, you know, seven seasons of Buffy on television. Yeah. Um, and then if they then read this afterwards, it would then set them back. Right. <laughs> Millennium. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other yeah. thing, can we just talk for a moment about how stupid the story is? <laughs> <laughs>
3: How stupid what the Sorry, story out is
1: for a like the story itself is is fucking dumb yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah i mean you read a book
0: like this for for all the weird world building right like yeah. it's like all the sort of creative like tree that does this thing and lake that does this and rock i mean there it there that is the fun part it's like the sort of revelation of the the world yeah. but yeah it, i i was amazed that like Spoil- spoiler spoiler or we spoiled everything like, right. when when bink discovers his magical power is just that he can't be affected by magic you know and which that, i you, you, and if they, you don't
1: figure that out in the first 27 pages you're hero. <laughs> yeah, <poor yeah>.
0: <laughs> but what i love is that they take it to the next level where they start to suggest that like he's the most powerful one in the hall of the yeah. land because they've actually shifted the events of his life to make things happen that are good for him and i'm like so he's just destined to develop good plots Like, why do I want to so it's just always going to be a happy ending that he gets lucky and doesn't have to do anything about? I was like, wait a minute. You just set yourself up for a book series where it's a foregone conclusion. It's just going to be a dumb plot that he survives. Here's the thing Bink, Bink is
2: only the lead of the first two books. Oh, okay. And then his son becomes the lead of two books. Oh. And then the golem becomes the lead of a book. And then, oh, okay. it, you know, the, the Nightmare becomes the lead. You know, they, they switch around. Centaurs become the lead. So he switches them around. But it, it is, it's an asinine plot. It's also the fact that, uh, let's point out some wonderful things. If you're born different in Xanth, you're exiled. Yes. Which right. I love just in itself. Um, I'm also, as a huge fantasy fan, I think the stuff you were talking about, about the world building, things like that, there are certain books, and this is the quintessential. I'm so glad I picked this book. There's the quintessential <laughs> example of it. There's too much in this book, where it's like the grass is way magical, too much, and the God. leaves are gra- magical, and the sky is magical. There comes a point where you got to go, all right, enough. Like yeah. it, you get, let's let's pick and choose our battles when it comes to the the magical elements in the world. Right. Not hey, I can't drink out of this 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 lake because I'm seeing too horrible different species ugly harpies having sex with one another because, <laughs> because, because the griffin <laughs> and the unicorn uh-huh. that are going and he's like thank god i didn't drink out of this or i'd be having sex with that unicorn and you're going wait you'd w- wait what <laughs> yeah
0: it's well even worse than that uh if because that was a weird moment but i was kind of like oh that's interesting at least like you know <laughs> i can that see unicorn. That, but but then it comes back it comes back when the evil exiled magician Trent is explaining what's wrong with Xanth and you realize it's a eugenics problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's yes, the a Nazi Germany, Germany problem. Ma- like, Yes, it's like there's a. They need a steady infusion of new blood from Mundania because it's getting too magical, and it's like this weird. Like they need to, all the species need to go back to their more pure magic, and you're like, wait a minute, what? So like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like basically, they're saying that a centaur is an abomination of like mixing the races. Well, yeah, well that's that's what he said. He goes,
2: if you go back to its logical conclusion, then the only way the centaur happened was that a man had sex with a horse. Right. That's right. the only way. There's nothing magical. Right. Just a man had sex with a horse. Right. And so we need um, to like reverse
0: that. And yeah. Every time they your... talk
2: about a griffin, a lion had sex with a hawk. I mean, it's our an eagle. I mean, it's like it, you sit there and you go, wait, it's, it is. It's It's this weird eugenics problem <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> of, you know, uh, the, coupled with, uh, but the wonderful part of magic is hopefully you can just find a woman that will transform into whatever you want her to be. Yep. Coupled by, thank God Bink has this magic where everything just turns out all right. It's oh, work out. awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Because uh. when you put it all together, you get Zanth. I mean, come on. But
1: then on top of everything else, there's so much exposition that it's, it's literally just like, every character has a point in time where they say, well, as you know, and then they explain <laughs> the vast history of the movement of people across nations. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> If uh-huh. you can, yeah.
3: But all fantasy novels have, the di- have what that Well, it was the that's different ways.
1: You can build worlds without having yeah. two people who know the same thing say to each other, as you know, oh, God, I <laughs> want to slit my yeah. throat with a unicorn dick.
3: <laughs> One thing I did like, <laughs> and Todd and I discussed this off uh, before you guys got on the call, but uh, we really enjoyed how they all had regular names and words. Yes, like, that's nice. I love Justin <laughs> Just in the tree. Yeah. That's hilarious.
1: Trent. Trent. Trent
3: Trent the asshole.
2: Humphrey is pretty, pretty <laughs> boring The too. magician Humphrey, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about Trent is there's a couple names that are exactly what they are. Like, I don't know anyone named Devin or Trent who's not just a fucking douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
2: My father's friend, name is Devin Trent Fidel. Thank also. you very much. um i'd also like to quickly quickly point out going back to the wonderful misogyny and the way that he writes women um i would like to point out how she when she's in when chameleon when she is in her stupid phase um constantly uh just tries to have sex with everybody yes and then when she gets out of that phase she thanks people for not raping her yeah like, that was real. I remember right. that you didn't take advantage of me. That's awesome. Right. Like, this poor girl is probably, she's been raped so many times, is kind of what they allude to. Right. God.
3: That I'm going to
2: marry the one guy who didn't rape me. Oh. It's like, holy shit. And have sex. Sh- with and have her. sex with her. <laughs> before we, and before like, we make any decisions. Holy yeah. shit. It's, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so fabulous in its awfulness that you just want to read yeah. The Other 38.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 because if i want to i can go find torture porn on the internet i'm sure i and, and probably there's like xanth no for porn. that if you I'm want
2: fantasy go. fantasy torture porn yeah really go and read um the first like i think it's the second or third book of the sort of truth series by terry goodkind um he just has a sexual fetish and like one of the, you know, so the main character gets captured and he's, he's constantly beaten by the what are called the Mord Sith. M-O-R-D-S-I-T-H. Who are just women dressed head to toe in red leather. So that they're, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. you can't see the blood. And they carry these things called aggials where they just chain men to the wall and these agiles just uh, inflict pain. So they go and they break your ribs with these things and then heal you while while kissing you and oh licking your blood. <laughs> and by like page five hundred, you're going, yeah. all right, so this guy just has a sexual that yeah, this now is on just, my yeah,
1: phone. This is just
2: him. <laughs> yeah, this is just, yeah that's all it was. It's like just that guy the, uh, just has a sexual phone. You said Sith. Is there a pop-up book version of that? <laughs> yeah, that is the <laughs> Sword of yeah, Truth yeah. series uh-huh. starting that's it's Dina is the board Sith you're gonna want to look into. Um so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that you can you can see some of those, but this is just so blatantly.
0: Well, it's so funny though. Oh. I actually, I you know, it's it's interesting when you think about the word fantasy having kind of multiple meanings. Sure. Right? Like it, it, there's there is like, and I do think that there's crossover in the sort of like, um, you know, like having been to the conventions like Dragon Con, and you know, there is this sort of like um, alternative sexuality, alternative, sure. Uh, you know, not or, or just like not. Um, it's not a very conservative environment. Let me put it's it that not. way. Like, I think there's something to people that think outside of the box creatively and want to create imaginary worlds, or who want to read about imaginary worlds, and you know, people who are okay breaking sexual taboos to a certain extent. Or, um, I think there's like there's some some strange crossover there that I've noticed over the years. Um, I think that's true. I, well, I think it's also I think it, oh, yeah. it, it, in a strange way I think it
2: stems from a good place, which right. is in that when you go to the yeah and and when we go to these conventions it's Hundreds of people who don't judge anybody else for what they believe or what they think or right. how they feel. Right. And the because of that, it's a safe too. environment yeah. and it opens you up to, I mean, Dragon Con is a perfect example where they literally, they say there's two conventions. There's Dragon Con and then there's Dragon Con After Dark, which is you can walk down hallways and watch Ewoks have sex. Right. Um, so it's just, yeah. I mean, oh,
1: it's, uh, let's uh, wait one minute here. Hold
2: on. That's <laughs> Dragon Con. Yeah. Uh, Dragon I, Con. I,
1: and there's an after dark Ewok. Well, no, it's fucking just people situation. that are dressed like furries <laughs> or dressed. Yeah, Dragoncon,
0: after... Dragoncon is like Comic Con, but um, it's it's in Atlanta. It's a wonderful convention. It's great. It's like probably the best costume convention, like it as is. far as. But what's interesting about it is it takes place in four or five hotels that are all interlinked and walking distance from each other, and they serve alcohol, mm-hmm. so it becomes this like it, there's all these bars that are like open and and so it's like all the sort of Comic Con people really really drunk yeah and like intermingling and it becomes like yeah i think it, be- it has you a, can a, see a, a man have it.
2: sex with a horse and make a centaur at uh, dragon con essentially <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> see writers have a similar thing they do the same thing at awp except mm. you walk down a hall and it's someone reading poetry while someone else sleeps beside them <laughs> That's, very that's similar very theory.
2: similar no it is but I think I think yeah. I think writers it, it is a safe place it stems yeah. from nobody judges that's you that's for right. what you how, right. what you feel what you like how you want to dress well, how you want to act I mean well, you I really, he was a radical I'm just saying, I'm just saying yes. like don't Piers fuck Ewok. he was ahead of his time <laughs> he was ahead of his game he was, Piers he Anthony. was really
0: just expressing <laughs> young male sexuality in a positive way oh god and he wasn't doing any of that I think he just hates women let's
2: bring it out. I do I think he just hates women and he tries to just Justify not hating women by, you know, kind of in his own head going, well, she wants to end the curse. And you know what? The fact that she's average looking and of average intelligence, that's okay for me. Like... (laughs) That's your
0: yeah. fucking message. Like God. it's horrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Well, I wanna I wanna back up to something you said for a second. I totally agree with everything you guys are saying, except one small thing. It's like, oh, these like cons and fantasy stuff. Like it's a safe place for anybody, but it's it's really a safe place for nerdy men and that is like we all have taken for granted for like 30 years that nerdy men are great and great for women but like when you step back there's actually a lot of feeling of like oh i'm this nerd underdog and now i'm owed my hot woman no, of course, whatever. Of course. and that is like so it is so easy to see where that idea comes oh, in from like in, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. in these books yeah. So, like, when you go to these, it's just, like, fascinating to think, like, these guys, like, roaming the halls being, like, and here's where it happens. I find my woman dressed like Lisbeth Salander from The Girl with the Dragon (laughs) Tattoo. (laughs) Or whatever. No, there's certainly a lot of...
1: And there's this, like... So, just a girl with a mac?
0: (laughs) A A broken mac and a mohawk. Um, yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, but I I do want to say from my personal like the, that culture is changing a lot. Like in the last, totally, I think in the totally. last because right. that issue came up. I feel like you know about five years ago, really. It's relatively recent, but I feel like there's been a big outcry about that. Yeah, and my feeling now when I go to these conventions, yeah, because uh, Will and I do the pop culture conventions a lot, like um, the Wizard Worlds and stuff. Uh, we make appearances, and it's become a very it's become so much better. Like it doesn't feel male centric the same way it used no. to. It feels yes. very like women empowerment and transgender empowerment yes. and alternative sexuality has become like welcomed in these worlds, like faster than I've seen in almost any other, uh, sort of, uh, uh subculture or counterculture yeah. it's really remarkably positive it's it's become a very positive environment well, the, I the
2: lb uh, lbgtq kind of community has a very big presence at these yes. these conventions yes. and and also yeah. going to you know five years ago there was also there was kind of a rash for a little while of you know what, I mean, there's no other way to, it, it would be considered like a sexual assault. I mean, pushing up on women that were, oh, oh you're dressed like Wonder Woman so I right. can grab you. Right. And uh, that a lot yeah, of that yeah. has gotten way, way better, which is good. So it's yeah. it was important.
3: Yeah, I, and I totally, yeah, I, I wandered into a My Little Pony convention once by accident. Uh, and it was wh- like wait, the most what? fun.
2: Wait, what? <laughs> uh, that was a lie. You you what? dressed yeah. like a brony and you went. You know you did. <laughs> wait, wait, what? What? <laughs>
3: Todd, you tell me you know about bronies.
2: Oh, I do. What?
3: Todd, what? you are so you don't know out what a of it. Brony is Todd. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! Okay, so there's a My Little Pony cartoon show called Friendship Is Magic. <laughs> Are you
0: with uh-huh. me? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Todd, you're showing your age, man. You are showing your generational. Yeah, wow, you are wow. stuck in the 1980s interpretation of My Little Pony. Wow. It is for both genders, my
1: friend. Yes. I, I'm sorry I don't jerk off to uh, ponies. That's
0: Please not continue. what it is. <laughs> not about sex. It's uh, not about sex. It's about friendship. It's, not, it's about it's... friendship and people loving each other. Jesus.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, this show is, uh, it became really, really popular with men and gay men. And there's a term, bronies, for bros who like My Little Ponies. (laughs) Got it?
1: They have a a convention?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure they're all over these other cons and stuff, too.
1: Yeah, huge conventions for My Little Pony stuff. (laughs) So, is it just dudes that go to the My Little Pony convention? No, it's for everybody who likes My Little Pony. Wide
3: ranging. Yeah. But brony is a term that you should know, and probably every single person who listens to this podcast already knew. Yeah. So. I thought you
1: were talking about the main character from Atonement.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: nope. <coughs> huh. Wow. No. Brony. No. Yeah. Brony. Yeah.
3: Yes, yes. Brony. Yeah.
1: Like pony, but with a B-R.
3: You're literally like eight or ten years there's like there's a whole documentary about them it's it's
1: it's like and it's a
0: super positive actually pretty great movement like it's kind of amazing it's and you know people have gone past the realization that your brain is clicking through right now and it's pretty accepted that yeah like
1: uh, i'm not i'm not not accepting it i'm i'm just uh, i've never heard of it so there's a there's a process by which i have to then i i have now heard of it i'm now imagining the conventions i'm now imagining (laughs) the population that goes up around it the uh the acknowledgement of this is a safe place to be this person which is great and then like renting like the bottom floor of the hartford radisson yes (laughs)
2: correct now why did you pick
0: hartford because that's
2: that's where i was (laughs) born (laughs) and raised for (laughs) julia
1: You don't want the Brony showing up at the Fridell. Oh, I'm sure that you kidding. Hartford would love the Brony convention. Are you kidding? We'll, well take
0: they
3: it. Would beg for it. <laughs> Incidentally, yeah, once we lost
2: the Whalers.
3: Yeah, the the Radisson, by the way, Todd, is the shittiest hotel in Hartford, and that's where all the it's worst horrible. things
1: happen. Yeah, There's, it is. It's horrible. No one has ever stayed at a Radisson and been like, "Well, that was great." <laughs> oh god but yeah all the right. radisson well Hartford. now we
0: know where to host our peers' anthony xanth yeah. convention <laughs> there goes our corporate At sponsorship the... with radisson oh god you're not a xanthi that's what we'll call him from now on
2: are you a xanthi there's
1: gotta be a there's Zanthian? a whole world around these xanth things right xanthist like, xanthist
2: gotta... a Zanthist. A Zanthist. <laughs> i'm a xanth purist massage Xanthus and i believe it should be taken back to all mundanians yeah um,
0: um, all right well i think we've uh uh, clearly demolish this book and it's horrible it's a, a terrible yeah, uh,
1: let me can I I, I want to put something out here and I don't want um, I don't want to besmirch someone that we all love which is um, Shiloh Strong I, I think Ryder you <laughs> love him as your brother Will you love him yeah. as a friend Julia and I, I love do. him as a friend as well before today I would say that Shiloh had introduced us to the worst book we've ever read <laughs> which was "Pillars of the Earth" yes. by Ken Follett. Pillars of the Earth. Um, I feel like it's it's neck and neck right now.
0: Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even okay, but what about what about you got "Flowers from the Attic"? You've got the Sweet Valley High series. No, nope. which awesome. also has rapey, weird cultural overtones. <laughs> no, you think so much shorter? You Zanth takes the case. Sweet
1: Valley High is like 116 pages. I I devoted like eight hours of my life to reading about Xanth. And then several other hours, like, driving in the car thinking, what the fuck did I just read? Sweet Valley High was in and out. It was, like, it was just, like, some, like, spoiled milk that I accidentally drank a little bit of.
2: I'd like to point out that you um, you actually dedicated a lot more time than that if you include when you read it at 12. Right, yeah, it's a yeah. great point. Yeah. So, and then all the time yeah. I spent uh, telling
1: people about this crazy, fake show trial uh, rape that I've been telling people about for 30 years and no one knew about it because – Everyone else has been smart enough not to read this fucking book. So at any rate, okay. I, I feel like, Will, um, I feel like you've <laughs> reached a, a point in the history of the show that is exalted, which is you have brought to us one of the worst books I've ever read.
2: Wow. I am so excited about that. I would also like to point out that I star in two of the five lowest rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes. So. <laughs> really? I, that's the god's honest truth. So I am very happy when I can hit the bottom, like, like hugely and strongly hit the bottom. Like you know, I, again, nobody, t- nobody knows what won the Academy Award ten years ago, but people are lining up every weekend to still watch the room. That's a good point. So that's a good point. You know, you, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, taking a risk,
0: uh. being culturally different, brave. Brave, 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 brave. so brave. Fortune favors the bold,
1: my friend. So, Will Friedle, hashtag brave.
0: (laughs) Wow.
2: (laughs) Yes, we will say. Speaking of hashtags, um, I'm guessing no one in Chameleon is part of the hashtag Me Too movement, (laughs) um, and should be because, oh my God. uh, I'm. uh, I'd like to point uh, out for the record, I am not defending the book in any way, shape, or form. I knew exactly what I was bringing you guys, and I did it on a silver platter. I, I thought I love it. you it's, were
1: into this book. Like I was reading this book and I was like, "Well, this is we going to be afraid. super awkward." Yeah, like Will's like, "Guys, no." This book. I thought,
0: no, no, no. I thought like Will did when he said it. I was actually really excited to revisit it because I have positive memories of this entire series and. You know, when it first started, I was like, the only thing that I was worried about was like, oh, the pun thing. I remember thinking that was dumb. <laughs> that's literally the only thing I was worried about revisiting this book. And then I got into it. I was like, what? Is this a re... And then I thought the So the Wild Oats, oh, yeah. that's okay. That's, that's kind of weird. And yeah, but then it just...
2: And I swear to God, I know oh. you guys are going to think I did this completely. Like right now, it's just a total rationalization. But I swear to God, part of the reason that I brought this book was because... Again, what you remember as a child that you read it's as an adult different. is two completely different things. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. It's horrifying.
3: Well, yeah. I, I just realized I had tagged some pages of, you know, exciting parts. So maybe I'll just read a bit and we can all just kind of get a sense of it. Hashtag uh, Fridell strong
1: them sure. if you put them online.
3: This is, this is, a, uh, this is about mermaids. Uh.
1: I feel like we're in a poetry (laughs)
0: slammer. Several
3: mermaids plunged into the water, tails flashing, and swam toward Bink. We're okay so far. In a moment, he was surrounded. Up close, the creatures were even prettier than from afar. Okay, pretty standard mermaid writing right here. Here we go. (laughs) Each one had a perfect complexion, resulting from the natural action of the water, and their breasts floated somewhat, making them seem fuller. Maybe he had been exposed to Fanchon too long. Just a nice little dig at the ugly girl for a sec. The sight of half, all this that half loveliness. kick
1: is a lot hotter now that I uh, <laughs> now that I've spent time with that dog.
3: Wait, we're not done. The sight of all this loveliness gave him strange sensations of excitement and nostalgia. If he could grab them all at once, dash, dash. But no, they were mermaids, not his type at oh all. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'd like to point
2: out the only reason he did not grab them to, I assume, force himself upon them was because they weren't his type. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It's, it's great. Yeah. It, I, can, I I highly recommend reading the other 35 books or whatever they are. Yeah, um, we'll
3: get right on that.
2: It is. It's amazing, though, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. This is to all the people out there that told me I should start with more in-depth fantasy. Oh, God. I Thus, yeah. I give you
0: Piers Anthony's Xanth. All right. Well, thank you for that, Will. Thanks for coming back. Well. We Will. We should make this at least a once-a-year yeah. tradition.
2: I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. I love to. having and it. I pro- I thank you. And I promise you, I already know the next book we're going to read and it's going to bring you right back to your childhood in a good way. And it's going to, it's one of the books that did for fantasy. uh, I mean, it's, you can't talk enough about it. So next time we will uh, be reading uh, David Eddings and we will be starting the Belgariad series. The first one is Pawn of Prophecy. Talk about a strong woman. Palgara the Sorceress is the biggest badass in fantasy literature. She's the shit. You guys are going to love it, but I want, you're going to have the perfect Uh, can't uh, wait (laughs) see you in 2022 Uh.
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
2: I'll be here (laughs) Obama will be president again